You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Two men walk into a church and they're the same age. Uh, they are the same height, same weight, same build. The first young man walks in and he's got a freshly uh, pressed long sleeve polo shirt, a freshly ironed slacks, clean cut, fresh. He's shaven and wearing shoes in the latest style. The second man walks in wearing a t-shirt, uh, blue jeans with more holes than pockets, flip-flops, tattoos on both arms, a nose ring, and orange hair. Immediately, if we're honest, most of us, including me, would look at the first guy and think he needs to meet my daughter or my sister. We look at the second guy and think he needs to meet Jesus, okay? Here's what I didn't tell you about these two men. The first man is an atheist, has a live-in girlfriend, and is addicted to pornography, The second man is passionately committed to Jesus Christ, lives a pure, chaste lifestyle, and wants to be a missionary. The scenario I just described for you is what young people between the ages of 19 and 25 say are one of the top three reasons why they have no desire to go and be a part of the local church. David Kinnaman wrote a book a while back called Unchristian. And he says, if you want to know why the church is failing to reach the next generation, when they were asked to give their perception of Christianity, the top three things they listed that were a turnoff to them about the church was our attitude being anti-homosexual, judgmental, and hypocritical. Or as the book put it, we have become famous for what we oppose rather than who we are for. There's a reason I use that example because about 60% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 have significantly altered their appearance at some point in their life using tattoos, dyeing their hair an untraditional color, or piercing their body in a place other than an earlobe. We're continuing in our series of messages we're calling Baggage. And the premise is is that every one of us carries some baggage with us. There's not a one of us in here that grew up in a totally perfect environment. And whether it was the result of an inattentive father, an overbearing mother, a critical teacher, or being uh, lacking somewhat in either athletic skill or academic ability, or because maybe of a physical imperfection, or being bullied. All of us have and carry some kind of baggage we need to lose that we need to just let go of. And Jesus deals with one of the major causes of why we have baggage and why we try to dump our baggage off onto other people. Because the truth is, every one of us in this room, we have sat in both seats. We have sat in the seat of the judge, and we have sat in the seat of the judged. And even though it is easier to judge than it is to be judged, the truth is nobody should be sitting in either seat. And I just want to say, if you're here this morning, 
And maybe you're kind of just coming back maybe after a long absence in the church because of maybe kind of overbearing judgmentalist. As a pastor, someone who represents the church, I just want to say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what has happened to you. And I want to tell you that I'm glad you're here. I believe you've come to the right place, not because we're the perfect church, not because we're better than any other church in Mason City, but because I believe we are willing to strive to be the best we can be, to be a place where people feel welcomed and wanted, first and foremost by God as well as us as a congregation. Because I believe properly understood, we don't want our church to be a place where people come and find judgment. We want our church to be a place where people come and they find grace. They encounter healing, forgiveness, and love. With that being said, we also need to understand what the Bible does and does not say about being judgmental. Every one of us here knows God has ten commandments And there was a time in our culture where you could put those commandments up in courthouses and schools all across the country, but no more. We are now living in an age and a day where America has kind of adopted what I would call an 11th commandment. In fact, I believe it is probably uh, the majority of people's favorite commandment. And even though you'll never find this commandment on walls, It does hang in office buildings, college, classrooms, schools, and country clubs all over this country. Our favorite, our 11th commandment has become judge not lest you be judged. Or a more popular version is, who are you to judge me? As you know, that comes right out of a passage we're going to be looking at this morning from Matthew chapter 7. This morning we're going to look at what I believe is probably one of the most misunderstood, misused, and misapplied verses in the entire Bible. Again, I kind of call it the world's favorite scripture. Even people who kind of normally scoff at the Bible, maybe reject its teaching, ridicule its content, love to quote this verse of Scripture from Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, Judge not lest ye be judged. Now we know Jesus said that. Unfortunately, most people don't understand what Jesus meant. Knowing that, Jesus goes on to explain what he means, and I believe he has a message if we're willing to listen for those of us who are inside the church as well as those outside the church. And what Jesus says may surprise you, because if you were to ask Jesus the question, should we judge or not, Jesus' response would be, it all depends. If you have some judgmental baggage you've been carrying around either because you are someone who has been judgmental or because you refuse to receive any judgment at all, I just want to invite you to just draw up a chair, throw up your feet, have a cup of coffee, and listen up. Because I believe there is a way to judge without being judgmental. 
And so I just want to share with you what I think are three uh, very simple, proper steps to biblical judgment. The first step that we need to take toward proper biblical judgment is we've got to, uh, uh, we've got to identify and eliminate improper judgment. So let's just start with the foundational statement, that one from Matthew chapter seven, verse one, where Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. Now the word for judge in, in the Greek is the Greek word krino, and which literally means to discriminate or to make a difference. And so as you're going to see, to judge here, what Jesus is admonishing us not to do means to offer a criticism that is either unfair or unjustified. Now keep in mind that this is found in one of Jesus' most famous teachings, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And because of that, these words, they were directed at Jesus' disciples. These words were meant for followers of Jesus. And what Jesus was saying was, you, the church, believers, you ought to be the least judgmental of people, and yet you will battle being judgmental the most. Now why is that? Why does the church have to battle against being judgmental, and why is it the people on the outside of the church see it so much more clearly than those of us who are on the inside? I think one of the biggest reasons is we take our perception of what we think good people should do, or even more to the point, we think what would God's people, what should they do? And then we impose those perceptions on people who don't even believe in God. And then what happens is we tend to start getting more concerned about the outside of a person than we do the inside of a person. See, if we don't like tattoos, we will judge people who wear them. If we don't drink or smoke, we judge people who do. If we wear certain types of clothing to church, we judge people who don't. And let me just make an observation here. You need to realize there's a difference between confronting a sin and condemning a sinner. And we're gonna learn in a few minutes, not all judgment is wrong. I believe there is a way you can tell when you crossed over the line from condemning a sin to condemning a sinner. And see, when your standard of calling anything wrong is anything other than God's word, chances are good you are being judgmental. However, when you call an action sinful that the Bible itself identifies as sinful, you're not being judgmental. You're being faithful. You're being consistent to the scriptures. Here's another one. When you judge motives rather than methods, you're being judgmental. See, you can judge actions what people do. You cannot judge motives why people do them because oftentimes motives are a hard issue. When you judge other people based on your opinions, your feelings, your self-made standards, 
and you do it in a condemning way that is either unfair or unjustified, again, Jesus would say, you're being judgmental. And again, at the same time, you are not wrong to judge others when God's word says others are wrong. Let me put it this way. It's never wrong to call wrong a wrong when God calls it wrong. Okay, now I just used the word wrong four times in one sentence. Can anybody out here use it five times in one sentence? It is never wrong to call wrong a wrong when God calls it wrong, right? You can use the right standard and still be judgmental if you judge someone with the wrong spirit. And we're going to learn this next week, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. If you're a parent, you can relate to this. I mean, as parents, we've all had to discipline our children. There are times where our children need to be corrected. They need to be disciplined because they've done something wrong. And again, the purpose of that discipline is to be constructive, not destructive. It is to be done in humility and love, not in anger or in self-righteousness. One of the things I've learned is you cannot judge a person by what others say about him, but you can judge a person by what he says about others. And I think this is kind of what Jesus is starting to get to there in verse two when he says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And all Jesus is doing here is he's applying the golden rule of judgment. He's saying before you judge someone else, you ought to first ask yourself this question, is that the way I would want someone else to judge me? Let me put it to you this way. Would you rather people form an impression of you at your worst moments or at your best moments? That's why it has been said, never mistake the moment for the man. Again, we don't make snap judgments, and we don't judge just by a first impression or just by an appearance. I heard about the owner of a manufacturing plant who decided to make a surprise tour of the shop. He's walking through the warehouse, and he noticed a young man standing outside the office with his hands in his pocket doing nothing. The boss walked up to him and very angrily said, son, how much are you paid a week? The young man said about $800. And the boss pulled out his wallet, peeled off eight $100 bills, gave it to him and said, here's a week's pay. Get out of here and don't ever come back. Without a word, the young man put the money in his pocket and took off. The warehouse manager was standing nearby and he's just looking on in stunned amazement. And the boss walked over to him and said, you're supposed to be managing this warehouse. How long has that lazy guy been working for us and why have you been tolerating it? And the supervisor said, he doesn't work here. He just delivered a package and was waiting on his receipt. <laughs> this is kind of what Jesus is getting at there in verse two. If you are hard on people, people in turn are gonna be hard on you. 
If you don't show a lot of mercy to people, then people are not going to be inclined to show a lot of mercy towards you. If you tend to be critical and negative around other people, then people will tend to be critical and negative about you. Generally speaking, when people figure out how you think about them, that is usually what they think about you. I love this poem about a man who died and went to heaven, and it went like this. I dreamed death came the other night, and heaven's gate swung wide. With kindly grace, an angel came and ushered me inside. There too my astonishment stood, folks I had known on earth. Some I had judged and labeled as unfit and of little worth. Indignant words rose to my lips, but never were set free. For every face showed stunned surprise, not one expected me. Judge not, lest ye be judged. So eliminate improper judgment. The second step toward proper biblical judgment is participate in self-judgment. Jesus asked two questions. He asked a why question and also a how question. And I think when these questions are correctly answered, you will then begin to kind of understand how to judge without being judgmental. And Jesus asked this question in Matthew 7, verse 3, and he says, Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, if you had been in the audience when Jesus spoke these words, you would have been laughing your head off because the picture painted here is just hilarious. And Jesus is giving them a visual of a man staring down a splinter in one man's eye while he has a two-by-four sticking out of his own. And, And Jesus does not want us to miss the irony here. Let me just ask you, do you know what a splinter is? It's really just a piece of a log. What Jesus said we are really doing when we're judging other people is we are criticizing a fault in others that we have in ourselves. That's really what that is. We are criticizing a fault in others that is really evident in our own lives as well. Let me just give you an example. Have you ever noticed how gossips talk about people who gossip? Many times somebody else's fault, it's just a chip off of your own block. Let me give you a basic principle of human nature. We tend to see a splinter in someone else's eye as a log, while we see a log in our own eye as just a splinter. I look at all of your faults with a microscope and I look at all of my faults with a telescope. That's the difference. I know you're you're probably asking, how could somebody possibly see a splinter in somebody else's eye and yet not be able to see the log that is in their own eye? And again, the answer is easy. It's because they're not looking for logs. They're looking for splinters. They're not looking for planks. They're looking for the speck. 
And the interesting thing is, I've never, ever pastored a church that didn't have what we call spec inspectors. Every church has splinter specialists. They're kind of a part of an organization called the FBI, the Fundamentalist Bureau of Investigation. If you've ever met any kind of people like this, what you'll find is their spiritual gift is fault-finding, giving criticism, passing judgment. See, when it comes to your faults, your failures, or your problems, They've got 20-20 vision, but when it comes to theirs, they're as blind as a bat. And that's why everybody else's faults always look so much bigger to us than our own. The point Jesus is making is he says the next time we start to judge someone, we must start with ourselves first. Because here's the thing, if we judged ourselves more, we would judge others less. Let me put it another way. If you want to see what you look like, you look in a mirror, right? How many of you kind of stood before the mirror this morning as part of the process of getting yourself ready to come here? If you want to see yourself, you look in a mirror. If you want to see someone else, you look out a window, Now what Jesus is saying is we need to spend more time looking in the mirror and less time looking out the window. Let me state it this way. The next time you see a splinter in someone else's life, look for the log in your own. It's there. Remember the splinter is just a piece of of the log. What you see in others is just a reflection of what you see in yourself. What you see in others is nothing more than a reflection of what you see in yourself. I heard about a little girl that was watching her mother do the dishes one evening and she suddenly noticed that her mother had some white hair kind of mixed in with her red hair. And she looked at her mother and she said, Mother, why are some of your hairs turning white? The mother, thinking this was one of life's teachable moments, she said, Honey, that's because every time you do something wrong and you make mother cry or unhappy, one of my hairs turn white. The little girl thought about that for a moment and then she said, Mama, how come all of Grandma's hairs are white? Never look out the window until you first look into the mirror. The third step toward proper biblical judgment, that is validate righteous judgment. Verse five in Matthew seven is probably the key to understanding this whole concept Jesus is talking about. And there he says, you hypocrite, first, Take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now you see the word hypocrite? Remember earlier I said that hypocrisy was one of the three things young people thought about most when they heard the term Christian or church? Do you now understand what Jesus means by this word? See, a hypocrite is someone who looks out the window but never takes time to look in the mirror. 
And notice what Jesus said. He did not say that you're wrong or that you should never look out the window, but what he is saying is always first look in the mirror. And the reason why most people misunderstand what Jesus said is because they try to make Jesus say something he didn't say and then they don't hear him saying something that he did say. I'm reminded of a lady who came up to Winston Churchill and said, Sir Winston, I don't like your politics and I don't like your mustache. And Churchill replied, Madam, I see no earthly reason why you should ever come into contact with either one. If you aren't careful, you aren't going to come into contact with either what Jesus didn't say or what he did say. There are two words uh, in that verse there that I want you to notice. The first word is first and the word then. I think those are the two key words in that verse. And here's the thing. Everybody wants us to remember the first clause, but they want us to forget the then clause. And what Jesus was saying was that as we deal with other people, and as we see wrongdoing, and as we see someone in need of correction, First, look for the log in your own eye, and once you've removed that, he said, you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. First, look in the mirror, then the window. Now, Jesus, he is not forbidding judgment that is done at the right time, in the right place, in the right way, with the right spirit. In fact, one of the marks of a mature spiritual person is someone who knows how to judge correctly. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, the spiritual person judges all things. Again, see, it's not wrong, it's not unbiblical to confront a believer if there is sin in that person's life. In fact, Jesus would say it would be wrong not to. Because again, when done in the right way, at the right time, with the right motive, it can be very loving. It can be very caring. It can be very compassionate. Deep down, we know this. Stop and think about this. If we didn't have judges who judged, Judges who passed sentences, judges who incarcerated convicted criminals, do you realize we would have anarchy? What would happen to the rule of law in this country if everyone who had ever sat on a jury decided when it came to rapists, child molesters, murderers, and terrorists, what if their attitude was, who am I to judge? I mean, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. So I don't want to judge, and I'm just going to let everybody go free. See, if we really believed that, we would still have child labor, segregation, discrimination, and we would have allowed Hitler to conquer the world, just to name a few. The truth is, we cannot shirk either responsibility. We must always be diligent, 
always looking for the log in our eye, but once we have dealt with that, we must be willing to deal with the splinter in someone else's eyes. Jesus said it best in John chapter 7, verse 24. He said, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So what does that mean? It means you never judge a tree by its leaves. You always judge a tree by its fruits. You never judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a book by its content. You never judge another person by the color of their skin, but you do judge a person by the content of their character. You never force a person to be what you think they ought to be, but you always try to lovingly lead a person to be what you think God wants them to be. If you've made yourself miserable, maybe you're here this morning and you're just unhappy because you've gone through life being hypercritical, negative, self-righteous, holier than thou. If that's you this morning, Jesus would say to you, you can and you need to get rid of that baggage. If you're someone and you kind of have allowed someone or others to keep you from God and to keep you from others because somebody has unfairly taken God's place as your judge, if that's you this morning and you're kind of carrying unforgiveness and bitterness towards that person, you've got to forgive that, forget that. You've got to drop and you've got to let go of that baggage. I want to close with this challenge. 1 Peter 4.17 reminds us, and there it says, for it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Proper biblical judgment begins with us. We must first look at ourselves and once we have properly and rightly judged ourselves in regards to the things of God, only then will we clearly see to properly, rightly, lovingly, and helpfully judge others. So as we end today, if you were to look at the mirror, not out the window, Look first at the mirror. Ask yourself this question. What do you see? More importantly, ask God to show you what he sees as you look in the mirror. Begin with where you are and ask God to lead you where you need to be in the area of proper biblical judgment. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, I just thank you that you have given to us the keys to really understanding what it means to not judge wrongly, unjustly, but also to understand how to judge correctly and biblically. And God, I pray, Lord, that again, as we look in that mirror, and God, as we ask ourselves that question, what do we see? Are we someone who is critical, judgmental, 
of others unfairly or unjustly. God, if that's really the accurate reflection in the mirror this morning, God, would you just help us to see that? That maybe, God, there are people in our lives, situations where, where we have been very, very judgmental. God, would you just open our eyes, open our hearts to those people, to those situations. God, that we would be able to repent to be able to go to those people, to ask for forgiveness, and to make it right. So Father, I just pray for those of us this morning that just need to see where maybe we have unfairly or unjustly judged other people, and God, to turn away from that. And God, I also pray for those of us that have dealt with and, and resolved that plank that log in our eye, but God have refused to go and to deal with the speck in a brother or a sister's eye. That God, we, we have not done what you've called us to do, to go and to hold others accountable, to go and to lovingly confront and to point out error, to point out sin in their lives. And so God, for those of us, Lord, that maybe there are people in our lives that, Lord, we just need to go to them lovingly and, God, with an attitude of compassion and, God, be able to point out that speck that, God, you would give us the courage, the insight, the wisdom, the ability to just go in the right spirit and just to be able to lead that person to a place of change, of restoration, of repentance. So God, for those of us that need to go to others, that God, again, you would just give us the courage and the strength to do that. And again, Father, we thank you for the example that you've given to us through Jesus Christ, who knows what it is to properly, to biblically judge. And God, may he be our model May he be the one we look to to continue learning what it means to uh, just be proper, biblical in our judging of other people. And so, Father, we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.